You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Joining me today is a good friend of our podcast. It is Michael Nania from JetsXFactor.com. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Always fun to come on back. Well, Michael, you came onto our podcast before free agency began. How do you feel about the job the Jets did in free agency this year? Well, I think they did a really good job, all things considered. It definitely wasn't, I think, perfect in the sense that they fixed every single hole that they had going into free agency, but that was always going to be a hard thing to do considering how many holes they had. This is a team that won two games. It's one of the weakest rosters in the NFL, pretty much, other than the safety position. And even that, you could arguably say it was a hole. Um, especially with Marcus May for agent. But other than that, you have a pretty good interior defensive line, but every other position other than that could have been upgraded. So it was going to be hard to fix everything. I do think I think they could have done more at inside linebacker. There are some players who I think were a lot better than Gerard Davis, who went for similar prices, if not less. Cornerback is a position where that was a huge need, and they still haven't done anything there. Uh, and the interior offensive line is obviously another huge weakness, but that one I can give them a little bit of a pass for because there weren't many options. But those aren't the only critiques. Other than that, I think they did a really good job. And it all starts with the two guys at the top and Corey Davis and Carl Lawson. I think those guys define what you should be looking for in a big-ticket free agent signing. They're in the, both in their primes, going to be 26 years old this season. They fill huge needs on the team. They're great scheme fits. And they're both – trending upward after coming off of elite season. So they have the complete package in terms of age, scheme fit, filling a need, and being elite producers. Corey Davis last season, over 70 yards per game, one of the most efficient receivers in the league on a per-target basis, and a great fit for this scheme. He was one of the best receivers in the league off of play action in the intermediate range um, on routes over the middle, all stuff that's going to be important in this offense. So that makes him a great fit for, for this team. And then Carl Lawson on the other side is, I think, exactly the type of guy the Jets needed at that edge spot. You know, this is a defense that is going to be different, a lot different philosophically than where it has been the past few years with a couple of three, four guys and Todd Bowles and Greg Williams. Um, so you're going to have defensive ends out there on the edge, guys with their hands in the dirt instead of like your Jordan Jenkins and Terrell Bashams of the world. Uh, and Carl Lawson is that guy. He's a hand in the dirt rusher. He can stand up. Sometimes he definitely has that capability, but he's a guy who's going to be out there at five tech um, for the majority of the game, um, packing a punch as a pass rusher. He led the league in pressures off the right side of the defensive line last season and was fourth among all edge rushers in total pressures. So another guy who is an elite player, a good scheme fit in his prime. Uh, and, and they got both of them relatively affordably um, between the two of them. Neither of them, I believe are neither of them. I believe are top 15 in terms of average annual value in their contracts. And the guaranteed money isn't insane either. Both of them add up to be barely more than the guarantees that Trumaine Johnson got alone a couple years ago. So those two guys were fantastic. And then in addition to them, I think they did a really nice job plugging up 
uh, fixing a lot of key weaknesses um, without breaking the bank. And with other guys who are also scheme fits in their own in their own right, Vinny Curry, uh, he's a good scheme fit. I think a guy who you can put in on passing downs and is just going to pin his ears ears back and provide a lot of pressure. Um, Justin Hardy, I think, is an underrated signing. They really needed punt coverage help. Um, they were very bad covering punt returns last season. Buried a man, bailed him out, three touchdowns. Um, but he's one of the best punt cover guys in the league, um, so that's going to be huge as well. Um, and then Tyler Croft, I think, is one that I really like. This tight end blocking, I've been talking about it for years, how this team is, has been getting bad blocking out of its tight ends. Tyler Croft is a really good blocker, and that's another thing that's important in this offense. You look at the Niners and how much they sort of relied upon the blocking of their skill positions at tight end, fullback, wide receiver. It was really important, a big part of their run game. And Tyler Croft finally gives them a good, reliable blocker. He knows, you know, a legitimately above average blocker at the position. Keelan Cole, the fourth receiver, is uh, another guy who I think, as a fourth receiver, I think that definitely is some of the best depth the Jets have probably had at that position in a while. He's a very good deep threat, good contested catch guy, another good blocker. Corey Davis is a good blocker, too. So those three guys, I think, come together and really show a theme there um, that they're emphasizing getting guys who can block at the skill positions to help that outside run game. Um, Sheldon Rankins gives you another well above average pass rusher on that defensive line. Um, so uh, Tevin Coleman, they didn't have any receive, proven receivers at running back. There are some guys you can like in the run game between what Josh Adams and Ty Johnson showed last year and the Michael P. Ryan as, you know, a guy who's only going to his second year, but none of them are proven receivers. But Tevin Coleman is one of the more effective receiving backs in the league over the course of his career. So I think they did a nice job uh, across the board of plugging up key weaknesses in affordable ways with guys who are scheme fits. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Major League Baseball season has begun and the NBA and NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. With real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON one word with no space l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n bed online your online sportsbook experts you know those of us who cover the jets you you and me michael and a lot of other people there are not many things that we're unanimous about but the thing that was amazing to me as we approached free agency it seems like every single one of us wanted carl lawson yeah, I think that was definitely I, – I mean, I never even considered it as a possibility. I was ready for Trey Hendrickson, who was, you know, a very good player in his own right, but carried a lot more questions, I think, in terms of the legitimacy of his sacks, sort of being a one-year wonder, um, and maybe not necessarily being as explosive or talented of a player as Lawson. But Carl Lawson was always that dream acquisition to me, just an elite edge rusher in his prime, um, and one of the most underrated things about Lawson, I think, is that even though this was sort of his breakout season, second in the league in quarterback hits, fourth in pressures, his efficiency in terms of producing pressure on a per-play basis has been elite throughout his entire career, all four seasons. Uh, he just hasn't gotten the playing time. Um, he's battled injuries early in his career. He wasn't playing as frequently because he had some struggles in the run game. But this year, he finally stayed healthy and took on a 
starting role in terms of the snap count, and you saw the volume production come with it, but he's been great in his whole career, so you can feel really good that he's going to continue to be great in terms of his efficiency. But, yeah, he was definitely probably my num- – other than Joe Tooney. Um, but on defense, or, or just outside of Joe Tooney, it was definitely my favorite target. And, and they were able to get him at a price that is definitely not ridiculous for a 26-year-old top-tier pass rusher. So you, you covered the Jets free agent signings extensively. There, I think there was one guy you did not name, and that was LaMarcus Joyner, who joins the Jets. He has a lot of experience playing nickel in the slot, but reports are he's going to play more Jimmy Ward-type role in Salah's defense, more of a safety role. What do you think of that pickup? Yeah, and, and, and that kind of just, you know, they're, they made so many solid signings that I, I definitely felt like I was forgetting someone. Um, but that that's a very – it was an interesting signing. It, I think there's always, whether it's a draft or free agency, every single year teams make these moves at positions that you didn't sort of think was a need. Um, because I think as fans we sort of look at – or fans and observers, writers, whoever you are, we look at the team and we sort of think, okay, this is – this box is checked, this box is checked, we're good here, and we can only address these weaknesses. But there are always these moves that teams make at positions that you thought were set. Um, and that sort of reveals that maybe they think differently of a player at that position than we think, or they have different plans how they're going to utilize that position. And in this case, I think it sort of comes down to a couple of things. Um, I think one is Ashton Davis, a guy who we all sort of were penciling in as a starter next to Marcus May. Maybe they don't see him as highly. And I think at the same time, doesn't necessarily mean that they don't think he can be a long-term player for them because I think the other key takeaway here is that we're probably going to see a lot of three safety looks, um, like big nickel, things like that, where you three or in, you know, passing game situations instead of taking a linebacker off the field and putting a cornerback on, maybe you put another safety on the field. I think we'll see a lot of that. It is something that the Niners did relatively frequently last year. So I think those are the two takeaways. Number one, Maybe they're not extremely high in Ashton Davis, just sliding right in there as a future starter because this is a new coaching staff that wasn't here when he was drafted. Um, but at the same time, I still think Davis will be a big part of this defense uh, and that it, it's just more so going to be in a rotational way, um, which I think is a really good way to use him because there are a lot of different things he does well, even if necessarily last season he didn't show you that he has the, as a deep safety, just the recognition ability in the zone deep zone ability to handle being out there every single snap. He might be a little too susceptible to allowing big plays. Obviously, he developed that in time. He was a rookie, and a lot of his mistakes were against the Chiefs, too. Um, but it's definitely, I think, at the end of the day, mostly just adding depth at a position where in this league we're starting to see, you know, teams need more than two players. We're starting to see three safeties on the field a lot more frequently in the league. So I think that's the biggest thing. Maybe a slight knock on not knock but just lack of not being too high in Ashton Davis's future in the league again I'm not completely ruling out that he could improve and develop or that they don't like him but it's just that you know they're not penciling him in as a starter it's always good to have a veteran in there just for security and for leadership purposes Um, so I do think it's sort of that in terms of Davis but for the most part it's just adding um, another good player a good veteran player at a position where you sort of need are starting to need more reinforcements than you may have in the past. And in terms of Joyner, what's really interesting when, when you look at his career is that when he was playing safety, 
with the Rams, and specifically free safety he played, uh, staying down the field. Um, he was really good. He put up some very good numbers with the Rams when he was playing safety. His tackling was tremendous. He barely missed any tackles. His deep coverage was excellent. Um, then he goes to the Raiders, and the Raiders try to play him at slot corner primarily, and he didn't play well. And it was very interesting to see that the Raiders would try to move him to a different position, watch him struggle, and then keep him there, even though he played good at safety. Um, so he can obviously go in the slot. He played it the past few years, but the results were not good. Uh, and safety is his primary home. and It seems, seems like that's where the Jets are going to play him. So it will be interesting to see how they deploy these guys. I think obviously you expect Marcus May to be out there on every single play like he has been throughout his career. Um, but between the other two guys, Davis and Joyner, I think we could see a lot of rotation there because I think they're you know, two diff- very different skill sets. Um, Davis really – I know he came out of college as sort of the the deep guy, the range down the field, but based on what I saw last year, I was a lot more impressed with what he did in the box, um, covering out of the slot, his blitzing, even off the edge, he was showing some stuff as a pass rusher. Um, His range, he sort of, he played some linebacker too, and showed some good range from that position. So I was more impressed with his versatility in the box than his coverage down the field. So maybe that's the role they project Davis for. And you'll sort of see these two guys rotate in and out of the game um, more so than having just two established starters. So I think those are the two big takeaways. Number one, um, maybe they're not entirely sold on Ashton Davis being um, just, you know, the number two guy right there with May. Those are your two every down starters. Not entirely sold on that, but at the same time, still liking him enough to where he can be a part of what is probably going to be a, a three safety look. We're going to see both of both Davis and Joyner playing a pretty big role in this defense, but I'm I'm very interested to see how this plays out because um, it definitely wasn't a, a big move. Not that this is a big move, but um, an addition at safety wasn't really something we were expecting. But clearly, Joyner is going to have a big role in this defense, and Davis is an interesting prospect you already have in place. So I'm curious to see how the deployment plays out between those two guys. I had a lot of the same takeaways with the Sheldon Rankin signing from the standpoint that at the beginning of the off season, interior defensive line may have been the one position where I say the Jets don't need to add anybody, but I wasn't counting on a guy with Sheldon Rankin's skill set being available and wanting to come to the Jets at the price he's got. And now it's somewhat of a similar situation. Now on the defensive line, you rotate guys in and out maybe more than you would at safety, but now you have maybe John Franklin Myers and Foley Fatukasi falling into rotational roles where they're going to be really good. And Rankins is a guy who I can see being a big producer playing next to Quinn and Williams. Yeah, and, and definitely like safety. I mean, even like I said at the, the top of this, that interior de- defensive line is clearly the one position where you could say with confidence, the Jets are good there. You already had Quinn and Williams, who is a two-way star at this point. John Frank, uh, Franklin Myers is a fantastic pass rusher. And Foley Fabacasi is a fantastic run defender. So you are really strong there. Um, but I, I guess the, the rationale is sort of that, you know, this was a four-man rotation last year, primarily. You had Quinnen, Franklin Myers, Foley, and Henry Anderson as that fourth guy. Um, and that's how most defensive lines work in the league. It's usually at least four guys rotating. So you lost Henry Anderson, and you sort of did need another guy in there. Uh, I think it was surprising because you do also have Nathan Shepard, uh, who I think is who if he's going to be your fourth defensive tackle uh, as part of your rotation, is 
pretty good as your fourth best guy. But I think it was – I definitely thought they were going to add another one at some point, but I thought it was going to be a more a low-cost move. So going uh, as big as they did for Rankins was surprising to me. But it definitely just adds even more destructive upside to this defensive line. They're just stacked with pass rush talent now. Quinnen is elite. Franklin Myers is – as a pass rusher, he is elite. He had the second-best pressure rate behind Aaron Donald last season among interior D linemen. Um, Carl Lawson on the edge, he's elite. And then you have Vinny Curry on the edge as a pass rusher. He is very good on, as a situational guy. Um, Bryce Huff has upside. They might draft another guy on the edge. And now so Rankin's in there as well, a guy who's been um, not necessarily as dominant as the Saints hoped when they draft him, drafted him as high as they did. Um, but he's been a very good pass rusher on a yearly basis. That's, his run defense hasn't been amazing. Uh, and even as a pass rusher, he hasn't, again, not been as dominant as I think they hoped. But he's been well above average year after year as a pass rusher. Um, and he's just another guy in there who gives them so much pass rushing talent. And if you look at it from the perspective of last year, you had Henry Anderson playing his 30 or so snaps per game. Now those go to Sheldon Rankins. That's a pretty big upgrade, especially in the passing game. So um, a, a little surprised to see them go that big at defensive line. I think it would have been okay if they – didn't make that move and just rolled with Nathan Shepard as part of the rotation, but uh, just makes their defensive line, that pass rush, even better. And I think that's so important for this defense because the best we saw from a Robert Solid defense in San Francisco was 2019 when the 49ers had an amazing four-man rush where they barely ever had to blitz. They were one of the lowest blitzing teams in the league but they're still one of the top pressure-creating teams in the league because those four guys up front could just do it by themselves. And that gave Sala the ammunition to drop more guys back into coverage and focus his creativity on what he's doing in the back end more so than with the blitzing up front. And now with all these guys that the Jets have, you can they could have a four-man rush that is good enough on its own to allow them to cover up holes in the back end because they are going to have some holes at cornerback. Uh, at linebacker, depending on what happens there, you might have another liability outside C.J. Mosley. The other guys are probably going to be coverage liabilities. Um, so they are going to have to patch up some holes back there. And if your pass rush is good enough to win by itself without needing the help of a blitz, then you have more guys to allocate in the back end. And that's what the Niners were able to do in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl. So um, Sheldon Rankin signing is Probably the most unexpected for me out of all these definitely came um, out of the blue, but it, it makes sense um, in a lot of different ways when you start to delve into it. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are always reliably low. rockauto.com's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Let's turn our attention to the draft, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who do you want with the second pick? Is it Zach Wilson? Is it Justin Fields? Are you going to throw a wild card at us? 
Uh, I do want Kellen Mond with the second pick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's, I, man, I, I know you're putting me on the spot and you want me to just throw a name out there, but I just waver with these two guys so much between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. I just don't have a strong preference. I feel like they're both really, really good prospects who are absolutely deserving of the number two pick, even regardless of position, because, because obviously teams reach on quarterbacks. It's the most important position, but like, I think they're both good enough to just be the second best player in this draft, regardless of position. Maybe Penny Sewell beats them out and they're battling for that third spot, but uh, maybe even Kyle Pitts ahead of them, but they're both really good. And I had a hard time sort of picking my preference between them. So either one of those two guys would do for me. Obviously, it seems like Zach Wilson is in the driver's seat right now. Um, but I, I think they both just bring so much to the table that is just legitimately elite stuff that you can really work with and build a franchise quarterback at the next level if they land in the right situation where they get supported effectively. Um, the, I want, the one thing that does sort of push me towards Justin Fields is the two-year body of work, just the fact that you know he was amazing in 2019, and he was even if not quite as great as last year, he was still very, very good this year. And then for Zach Wilson, he sort of leaped onto the radar um, in 2020 after not being in that mix at all prior to this year. So a little bit larger of a sample to work with with Justin Fields, and he's also been you know even before when he came into college when he was at Georgia just coming out and being with you know alongside Trevor Lawrence in that recruiting class he's long been pegged to be an elite quarterback in this draft class whereas Zach Wilson doesn't have that so that sort of has been pushing me towards fields but at the same time I feel like when you watch Zach Wilson it's he's just so natural with the way he releases the ball his placement his ability to give his receivers chances to make plays um, the different arm angles he can throw from being able to throw off platform. And then even though he rarely does face pressure and a lot of his best plays come from these ridiculous pockets you'll never see in the NFL, even though most of his plays did come from that with a great offensive line, when he did face pressure, he was better than a lot of these the other quarterbacks in this class. His under-pressure numbers are better than Lawrence, better than Fields, better than Mac Jones, um, some of the best in the nation, even though he didn't face it a lot. So, um, it, it's so tough. I would take either of them in a heartbeat, and I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where I can pick a, a preference between them. I'll tell you, Michael, I watched every Zach Wilson snap, and I wrote an article on it. I watched every Justin Fields snap, and I have an article written that I'm going to publish soon. And my conclusion is almost that it's tough to say which guy's better. It's just more which qualities do you want in a quarterback because they bring different things to the table. Right, exactly. I think that's the biggest thing. These are very different players. Um, and when you compare what they've done on the whole, I think in terms of how good they are as prospects, what their ceiling is, is pretty similar. They both deserve to go top two, top three. I mean, hopefully the Niners, are, for their sake, are smart enough to take Justin Fields instead of Mac Jones with the third pick. Um, but they both deserve to go high in the draft. It just comes down to what you're looking for. If you're going to draft Justin Fields, I think you really are going to want to build around his uh, abilities as a rusher, you know, run an RPO heavy offense um, and run an offense that's going to call off downfield shots because his deep passing is insane. He has great deep, deep touch, a very, very strong arm. 
Um, and honestly, I think his decision-making and ability to read the field is underrated. I think there's a lot read into that that isn't really true. It's just sort of a product of the offense that they run, and that's why he's standing in the pocket so long, but he makes good decisions. Um, so it, it just depends on what you're looking for. Like you said, both of these guys offer a lot. You just got to pick the guy who's better for your system. And then on the other hand, whoever you get, you know, mold your system, mold your team to fit what he does well. Um, and make sure that you're adapting to his strengths as best you can. But both of them, I think, are definitely elite prospects and, and right on par with, you know, some of the top prospects we've seen in recent drafts. Now, I know you've done a lot of writing at JetsXFactor.com. You've done some analytics-based mock drafts. And the Jets, of course, have more early picks than two. They also have pick 23. They have pick 34. They have a couple of third-round picks this year. Who are some of the guys that you would love to see the Jets get with these picks? Well, I think in the first round, um, the dream pick would probably be uh, Vera Tucker with that uh, Seahawks pick. In, in terms of combining the positional value with the talent, um, because I think that interior offensive line is easily still their greatest need right now. Um, they're very bad at cornerback. They still need some help there, but it's the most important thing is supporting that court, that quarterback. Um, you don't want to repeat what, and not necessarily that what happened last time affects what you do now, but we all saw a perfect example with the whole Sam Darnold tenure of how damaging it could be to draft a rookie quarterback and just not care about the team you put around him. It's something you can't do. You really have to emphasize that first and foremost. Cornerback is very important, and obviously you want to fix it, and it's going to be hard to win Super Bowls if you're not good at cornerback, but there will be plenty of time down the road to address that. But if you don't fix your offensive line, then you could send your quarterback down a road that you can never turn back on, and in three years you'll be back in this position again. So it's extremely important to make sure you do the absolute best you can do to support that quarterback. So I think the offensive line is still first and foremost, particularly those guard spots, and Barrett Tucker is a guy who – I think projects really well to playing guard in the NFL um, because we've seen him play guard really well in college. He played tackle in 2020, but the year before that he played guard and he's one of the best in the nation in terms of uh, allowing the fewest pressure, allowed a pressure rate of about 1%, which is tremendous. Um, so I think Vera Tucker is that dream pick, but if there isn't offensive line value at number 23, I think they can still be comfortable going with another position because there should be pretty good offensive line value in the second round, in the third round. It's a pretty solidly deep offensive line class. Um, so I think they can feel comfortable about passing on in the first round uh, and getting one later. They could even trade up if they really want one, which they should. It, and they feel like they need to trade up later in the draft, they can do that. They feel like they can trade back and still get one. They can, there's enough depth to where you can maneuver around later if there isn't good value in round one because I think they're – are, they're going to have the opportunity to take a great player no matter what, even if an offensive line value isn't there. Um, Aziz Ojolari is a guy who has sort of been common in mock drafts recently. Um, so it, it, and the edge rusher from Georgia, um, his pressure numbers are out of this world. He's another – he's a really electric guy off the edge. Um, so if you can get him and Carl Lawson as your two edge rushers going to 2021, they should be set there with an amazing duo – for the next few years, a, a duo that has sort of 
the potential to be one of those best pairings in the league, like a Melvin Ingram and a Joey Boza, like a Bradley Chubb and a Von Miller. That can be that sort of pairing. Um, and if you can put that together, that can be a huge game changer for your defense, the core of your defense for years to come. So I wouldn't rule out an edge pick. Um, at linebacker, I think you could go there. They still sort of need a will linebacker to start in this defense, a rangy, athletic guy. Um, Jeremiah Owusu koromoa makes a lot of sense there. Uh, Zayvon Collins isn't necessarily uh, a rangy, speedy linebacker. He's about 260 pounds, but in coverage, he was the highest-graded player in coverage, regardless of position, at Pro Football Focus in 2020. He had more interceptions and pass breakups than he did have first downs allowed in 2020. So he's amazing in coverage, even though he's not that prototype uh, will linebacker. So he's someone to look at as well. Um, and then a cornerback, you know, if one of those top guys fall, um, I doubt J.C. Horn falls at this point, his stock is way up. But Caleb Farley, Greg Newsom, one of those guys, you could knock out that need there. So I think the board is looking really good for the Jets at number 23. Um, they might have a hard time getting offensive line value at that spot, but they can pass on it at that point, I think, get a great player at another position uh, and feel confident that they can find value on the offensive line later. But it is really important to knock that out. So I think uh, while you don't want to reach on an offensive line in the first round or at any point in the draft, it's something that they really got to knock out at some point. Now, let me ask you to close things out for a sleeper or two, somebody you could see going maybe late day two or on day three. Uh, I think uh, some sleepers that come to mind. Well, I'm going to look at a position that more people should be talking about, first of all, with this team, and that's kicker. So Evan McPherson from Florida, highest field goal percentage in SEC history, 85%. Um, good kickoff numbers, something that is underrated as well. Um, the Jets need a kicker. They've been ignoring this position for years. Uh, and McPherson's a pretty good prospect out of Florida. So um, I would sixth round. They, now they got a pick in the 220s from the Panthers. I would keep an eye on that there. I think that's something that needs to be talked about more. Um, and then a guy who, uh, another running back, if the Jets are going to be looking at that, which I'm not sure if they will be because they do a pretty crowded room, but Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis uh, was an opt-out in 2020. In 2019, though, he led all running backs in receiving yards with 610. That's the second most by running back over the past four years. The only guy it's more is Saquon Barkley with 625 in 2017. So I like running backs who can contribute in the passing game. Kenneth Gainwell seems like a mid to late third round guy, maybe fourth round, somewhere in that round three to four range. But I love mid round running backs. I think that's the best place to find value at that position. And I love running backs who can contribute in the passing game. So uh, Gainwell sort of fits those bills. So he's a guy uh, that I think is pretty interesting. Um, Then on the offensive line, sort of talking about uh, the value you can find there. Um, Ben Cleveland from Georgia was a four-year starter in the SEC, consistently graded very high in 2020. He had the second-best grade at Pro Football Focus among SEC guards. Um, and a really cool thing about Ben Cleveland is that a lot of uh, – he gave up a very low pressure rate, only 2.3%, 82nd percentile among FBS guards in 2020. Um, but he did that in an offense where he was asked to pass block, uh, you know, have real battles at a high frequency, about 40% 
of his pass blocking snaps in 2020 were true pass sets, which are plays that take out, you know, screens, pop pass, jet sweeps, um, quick releases, you know, takes out plays where you don't actually have to do anything as an offensive lineman. Uh, so he had a very high rate of those, and yet he still allowed a very low pressure rate, which is impressive. So um, Ben Cleveland in the, is a guy who's sort of projected right now as a middle-round pick, um, but a successful starter in the SEC who has protected well, also at a very good run-blocking grade, 91st, per, 91st percentile, um, has zone experience. 63% of his run-blocking snaps were on zone concepts last year so. He's a guy, um, one of those guys who in this offensive line class could sort of give you that depth in the middle round. So uh, those are a few of the guys that come to mind first. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Great information as always. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Anytime. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you like this show, subscribe to it and give it a five-star review. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with our weekly mailbag.